my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. We've got some delicate subject matter today. Ooh-wee. <laughs> Ooh-wee. Oh, gosh, you. Ooh-wee. <laughs> What's happening? How's my Morty? Oh. <laughs> now you're more of a Rick. Oh. You can't be a body. Didn't that sound like Morty? That still sounds like Rick. Does it? <laughs> Just lean into Rick. Okay. <laughs> Morty, Morty. Listen to me, Morty. Gosh, Rick. <laughs> I reckon I'm... We're doing reverses. I'm obviously Morty and you're Rick. I've got a higher voice. So this is a obscure way of telling our friends of the show what we're doing this week. Yeah. Because it's not Rick and Morty. But it's close. It's close. Back to the Future. Oh, pressure's on. This is a big one. And insert riff of Huey Lewis. A few of our listeners are fiends for this film. It's been requested and so we, we've given in to the demand, but we do feel with that comes an immense pressure to deliver the goods. So not to put pressure on you, Greg, but if we fuck this up, it's over. We could erode our listener base. Do you know what year it was? 1985. 1985. It's a pretty good year. It was pretty peak 80s, as the number suggests, represented in films such as this and Breakfast Club, St. Elmo's Fire. Oh. So the Brat Pack was... St. Elmo's Fire. We'd covered that before about the misunderstood lyrics. Burning Desire. Yeah, yeah. Which is in there too. Which is in there too. But it's only half of the thing. Goonies. Yeah. MJ Fox also had Team Off this year. Look forward to covering that at some stage. Was that the same year? Interesting. surprisingly. Because I think he'd already recorded it. Had he? Oh, okay. He was a busy little man. We'll get into that later, I'm sure. Very busy and very little. He's so little. Did I say little? He is, he is little. He is little. He's so petite. He's 5'5". Five five. Is he? Yeah. Fuck, I love him. He's small. But sometimes those short guys in Hollywood have the proportions to make them look like big guys on screen. Michael J. Fox does not. He's small. Which is great. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's just interesting. You don't see it very often. Yeah. Small people are friends of the show. Friends of the, friends of the so show, Michael clear. J. Fox. Yeah, absolutely. Back can't to the Future was number one, by the way. Six foot. How tall are you? Are you six foot three? Two, I think. Two. Somewhere in between, maybe. Yeah. Um, Back to the Future <laughs> it was the number one movie in 1985. Was it? You know what number two was? American Ninja with Michael Dudikoff. Dudikoff, Dudikoff, Kaf, Kaf, Kaf. No, it was Rambo First Blood Part 2 with uh, Sylvester Stallone. Stallone, Stallone. Um, okay, jeez. You know what number three was? Something else. Rocky Four. It's the Lone Town, baby. What? Yeah, also in there, Out of Africa, View to Kill, The Dream is Alive, The Color Purple, Cocoon, The Joggle Denial, and Witness. I feel like there's more out of the top 10 that are more our jam. There's some, there, I mean, there's definitely some in there, but it's not one of those years where it's like. Where culture meets critic. <laughs> yeah, yeah kind of. <laughs> Other than this movie, maybe it was all concentrated into this one film. 
Well, do you know what was the big winner that year on from the critics' perspective? What was that? Um, Amadeus, 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 Amadeus. I love you, Amadeus. <laughs> have you seen? Have you seen that? No, I never. It's saw actually it. a cracker. Is that Spielberg? It is. No. Oh no, I have no, seen it's it. Some crazy. Sorry, I was thinking of something Polish else. Polish or Czech? This is too. the. Uh, is it not Mozart? Mozart. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's story of Mozart, and he, he was he was like a rock star, and it's told retrospectively. Yeah, by, through flashbacks. Yeah, I saw that when I was very very F, young, and I barely uh, F. remember. Murray Abraham. I watched my. I remember I my dad had the again. cassette when I was young. And then it bounced back into culture in the last action hero. Yeah, be- yeah, yeah. Because they're like he he's killed in Mozart, it. Salieri, whatever. The character F. Murray Abraham. And because that movie's all meta and shit. Yeah. So is that the actor? That's the like- guy that killed Mozart. That was actually pretty clever. Yeah, I because I'm actually I'm legitimately curious. Was this ahead of its time? Had some great actors in there. Fuck yeah, they had Arnie. Tyrion Lannister in there. Ty- uh, Tywin Lannister. Yeah, the dad. Um, Sally Field. That was the year. You really like me. Ah. Such a babe. <laughs> Am I the only one that thinks that? She has a enigmatic not an, she has a beautiful smile. Look at it. It's radiant. Oh yeah. But Lights it's up like, the room. She's oh she's lovely, but it's just uh What? What is it? She's lovely. Yep, okay. I'll leave her there. Oh okay. <laughs> she's friend of my heart. Go, what about this movie? When did do you remember your first watch? Uh Given I was very young in 85, like three, so I was probably like four-ish when this was actually in Australia. Yeah. I don't. I was one. Yeah, so you were even younger. Yeah. They make more of a difference those early years, <laughs> they don't do, they? They do, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, I kind of blur the, the the trilogy together a bit from from a memory perspective. Yeah, yeah I had the same thing. Just to uh, set expectations here, we're really just talking about Back to the Future past, Part 1 here. Yes. Each each movie is going to warrant its own episode on this one, um, but I think that's been a very valuable exercise. There will be some minor bleed, minor bleed. Yeah, there's the implications, but I think it's been good to just look at part one because for my whole life, because I was one when the first one came out, I've always kind of looked at them together and they're all muddled up. And mm. you think Back to the Future, you think hoverboards, yeah, yeah. But there's a whole movie that happened before that was even conceived of. There was this little gem. This is and we'll get into it, but this is much tighter. Yeah. Out of the three. Well, I need to rewatch the other two now, I think, but that was one of my main things. We'll get into initial thoughts later, but that was my main thing. It's like, this is so fucking tight. It's a tight little number, it's isn't so it? It's so tight. Like, it's two hours. It's all buttoned up, and it's it just rocket, perfect. It rockets by. Yeah. And every seed is planted. Everything is just yeah, it's neat tight. and tidy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I had a similar thing. Like, in my childhood, this was all three of them, was mainly the first two were just sort of... Yeah. Omnipresent. I couldn't tell yeah, you the first yeah. time For I watched one it. Two particularly. It was just three. Obviously, was quite the outlier in terms of its exe- its what's well, a fucking western. Yeah, and I think it came out when I was old enough a bit to older to know it was separate. Yeah, and it was it was in the not especially not some dooted up egg sucking gutter trash. Oh wait, it was in the ad for it, Video Easy or something. Yeah, it was in the ad for when movies swear at you. Oh yeah, not, and she covered the ears of her kid. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. That was Biff. Egg sucking gutter trash. trash. Fuck. I was going to say the rewatch did bring back a few memories though. Oh, yeah. Primarily around how cool Marty was. Yeah. And he swore. 
Yeah, there's more. Uh, we're getting into when he when he goes, holy shit! I remember. And all of them, you're gonna see some crazy shit. Like there was swearing and death and terrorists and rape. Basically, we'll get into that. Well, that I didn't notice that when I was young. When I was young, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was definitely rewatch material. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this shit is heavier than yeah. I thought. Yeah. Um, Maybe Biff's his dad. Uh, Biff's a real asshole. Anyway, the um, yeah, I found it hard to separate one and two, and I think I thought I liked number two the best because hoverboards. Agreed. So, like, why would I ever watch number one again? And also, I a couple of years ago, I was watching this on a flight and I felt really sick. Did you? But I felt really sick and I was like, I've avoided it since, almost like your KFC experience. Like, I just, like, <laughs> I associate it. But, it. but it's been long enough that I watched it. So, it's been good because it meant I haven't watched it in a long time. What else? I feel like number three was on TV more than I wanted I like. I always wanted to see number two, and number three was always because probably because it was the newer one. It's so a keen they observation. That was, it was always on, and I'm like, eh, I didn't care for westerns well, they must at that point. Bought it. They must. I don't know how someone can explain to us perhaps how, how that works. Because there yeah. are films that are always on TV, like Double Jeopardy. Double Jeopardy. Oh, with Ashley Judd, starring Ashley Judd. I never actually sat down and watched it, but I remember. I just feel like there was always ads for that movie. Always on television. <laughs> um, and so. It was kind of a perfect rewatch because it's. I just had to feel like I had a clean slate, in isolation, not looking at number two. Yeah, not thinking too much about number two. Yeah, yeah. And what did you think? Well, should I go into a little background? Oh yeah, we do that first, don't yeah, we? Yeah, I'll do that first. Tell me about the background. This is an interesting one, Greg. Turns out Steven Spielberg didn't direct this, as I have thought for the last thirty-seven <laughs> years. He was he was heavily involved though. Yes, he does. He, he leaves his mark on it, doesn't he? I think he probably also chooses things that are very own brand for him. I think he definitely has influence on the movie, but because this came up in Gremlins as well, right? Where it's like yeah. you feel like his tentacles are in there. Like and the, it's, the, it's a the whole boy. feel of the film. Yeah. And so I, I reckon it's a, it's a mix of him being involved and him choosing projects that reflect his, sen- his sensibility, you know? Yes. Um, yes. Because this is, I mean, this and Schindler's List, very similar films. Yeah. Um, well, for obvious, not at all. <laughs> probably Gremlins and Schindler's List. <laughs> Closer, I guess. What, racism? Yeah. Uh, okay. So, you want to know how this movie came about? A fellow named uh, Bob Gale. He's the co-writer of this film. He was visiting his parents and uh, found his father's yearbook photo. It turns out his father was class president. And he was like, huh, oh, who was my class president? Would I have been friends with my father in high school? How would that have, how would that have worked? So he had this germ of an idea from that. He calls his buddies Zemeckis. He was like, hey, I, I had this thought, this thing. And he's like, huh, that's interesting because my mother's always talking about how fucking proper she was and how, you know. How she didn't like to get fucked. <laughs> yeah. And what if she was a little bit more on the horny side? You know of- what? That's n- genuinely a thought that I haven't. Had yeah. or will? Well, I was thinking about this too. Like our kids probably won't have this problem. Like this wonder. I wonder what my parents were like when they were young. It's all there now. Like yeah. I mean, we're probably kind of. we're probably somewhere in the cutoff because we. Ju- I think we've because yeah. we all our online evidence probably really started soon. from mid twenties. Yeah, but now now anyone oh, yeah. from now having kids probably can, is gonna yeah. you go. Oh right. yeah, yeah. My mum was a real train wreck. Um, My mum really loved to train. <laughs> okay, so they, they both fell in love with this idea and they spoke to Columbia Pictures and they were like, write us a script. We'll give you some cash, write a script. Let's see what we've got here. 
They Is it a, that easy? They make it sound that well, easy. Well, no, here's the thing. They wrote a script and they're like, nah. Eh, nah. Bap, bap. Incest, bro. Yeah, exactly. It's important context to realize these guys were not nobodies, but they hadn't had any major wins yet. So they were writing partners on a bunch of projects. I think there's a movie called I Want to Hold Your Hand and something else. I'm not sure if it's Beatles related. Anyway, they'd made these movies. One of them, uh, they wrote that 1941 movie, um, that Spielberg movie, 1941. Oh, that was always in the video shop and I never wanted to get it's it. It's one of his worst. I think it's it's ranked as his it's one of his. always sitting there. It's got um, John Belushi in it, I think, but it's famously one of Spielberg's worst. They wrote that. And so they didn't have a good track record yet. No one's buying this fucking script. And they were like, fuck, what would, what would Spilly think? What would Spielberg think? And he was into it. He, he, he liked it. But they were like, fuck, if we go with Spielberg again and it's another flop... Like, we're going to have no reputation in this town. We're never going to be able to make fucking anything again. And by this town, they meant Hollywood. Hollywood. What's your dream? (laughs) Exactly. So they were feeling pretty down and out. Like, everyone was saying no. They took it to over 40. They had 40 rejections. Do you think the working title had something to do with that? Wait, what was the working title? The working title was The Night I Finger Bammed My Mum in the Past. Disney had an issue with that, yeah. yeah. They took it to Disney and they said, no way we're making this incest movie. Yeah. Was that actually the working title? It wasn't. It was The Man from Pluto or something. Yeah, like. oh, that's right. The Man from Pluto, yeah. But the plot was basically that. And so that was one of the major issues. So it's a, this weird mix because on the one hand, what was hot at the time was these raunchy teen comedies. So like... Um, but not uh, with characters but not, not incest more of a sister incest. thing and so like this isn't sexual enough and in other ways it's way do you know too what? sexual do you know creepy. how they could have made it work how it was his stepmom currently step parent porn is the number one type of porn searched really globally really I find that quite weird myself but apparently by step parents or step children what do you mean no, like well, who's cata- searching it? Well, I can't tell you the demographic breakdown of the search. That would be interesting though, wouldn't it? Because one of them is creepier than the other. I think it would just be anyone. that I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's, it's creepier either way. But, but it it's the, be isn't that creepy. just weird? Like step. Yeah, it's weird. So step banging the stepmom is like number one, number one. Number one. Yeah, out of any category. Any category. Yeah, make up a category. That's the number one one. They beat it. So they were just a bit ahead of their time with the whole <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps. Sorry. Continue. Anyway, they got rejected over 40 rejections. Disney was like, this is incest. We're not making this fucking movie. Other studios were like, we want raunchy teen comedies. This is too conservative. So this weird in-between zone. Where's the stepmom? Where's the stepmom so we can seal the deal? Um, So it kind of gets put on ice because they can't make a fucking deal. Meanwhile, Michael Douglas. Magadola. Does he mean something to you? The only white boy that made me more. That's right, Michael Douglas. He signs up Zemeckis to direct Romancing the Stone. Yeah, it's one of your jams, isn't it? I, I would seen like it. to um, run through that on this podcast. We should do time. it because I haven't seen it. So that'll be a good comparison. Yeah. So that became a big success, great success, huge success, which gave him a bit more credibility. Now suddenly Back to the Future got some interest. Every studio wants to make it now. Ah. Like, Zemeckis, I want to be in the Zemeckis business. But guess what? He's like, fuck you guys. None of you were interested when yeah. I was shopping this around. I'm going back to my boy Spielberg. And we're going to make this thing. So we go back to Spielberg. Spielberg's into it. He talks about it here, how much he fucking loved it. They brought it over to me and they said, uh, nobody gets this. Maybe we're crazy. Will you, will you read this and let us know what you think? And I read it and it was a very unusual story. And yet it was based on a lot of old-fashioned principles of, of family, 
coming of age, getting your first car, all the dreams and desires you have for your own life, the dreams and desires your parents might have had but didn't succeed in realizing. And um, it, it was about the generation gap, and it was about the major disconnect between our generation and our own parents' generation. And that was all done through an amazing object lesson, which was this uh, sort of accidental trip back into the past. So he dug it. Fair yeah. enough. Good script. Good movie. And it be actually became the first Amblin, you know, Spielberg's production company, Amblin. Oh, yeah. So this was the first project that he produced, not directed, that went through Amblin, which is pretty cool. It's pretty cute. And so it is a bit cute. Spaceman from Pluto, that was a note from the producer saying like, eh, back to the future. Man, well, what does it really mean? What about Spaceman from Pluto? You know how they handled that? Spielberg, because they had Spielberg backing, he became a bit of a buffer between these kids making this movie and like the the producers that want to fuck with everything. And Spielberg wrote a note back saying, literally saying, Dear Sid, thanks so much for your humorous memo. We really got a big laugh out of it. And they knew he had too much of an ego to say he wasn't joking. So he was just like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Genius. Yeah, genius, right? Power play. So these guys got fucking saved, man. Um, here's a fun fact. Before it was a DeLorean, it was some kind of fucking chamber, like a fridge. I think it may have been a fridge. I've heard fridge. And then there were a couple of reasons why they didn't do that. First. Fridges are cold, small. Fridges are cold, small. And everyone's got it. Heavy. So they were worried people were going to be locking themselves in fridges. Good and, call. Uh, catching a freezy. So they didn't want that to happen. But also because they had that gag in there about a spaceship. Like, one needs to look more like a spaceship, and then that's how they got to DeLorean. We'll get into DeLorean a bit more later. But there was this weird early versions of the script. It was a bit darker. Into, I feel like that's a common theme. It was darker, more death. Yeah, but it's the, definitely darker. <laughs> but there, actually, when it was a chamber, apparently the original story was Marty was so down and whatever, he was trying to kill himself. Didn't know it was a time machine. He thought it would just... Why? Yeah, I don't know. He's so he's a little he's such a bright spark. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that was initially. That I'm sure that was an early, early, early version. That's why Michael. That's why uh, Stoltz, Eric Stoltz, got. Yeah, maybe cast. that is, makes sense. Should we he's... talk about that? Because let's get into it. So, Michael J. Fox was their first choice, right? Yeah. So chronologically, I guess in terms of production, maybe they came out the same year. But Team Wolf, I believe, was shot first. But he's Mister Family Ties. Mister Family Ties, and. Were you a Family Ties guy? Yeah. I was a Family Ties guy. But I don't remember it. I I went down a tangent the other day showing our clips of Family Ties. And it's actually really interesting because- You would have been too young for Family Ties. Well, I was watching repeats, yeah. And it was big in my household, but I've learned we have similar households. So I don't know if that's representative of um, everyone our age. But it was massive because these were in the days in the US even, I think, pre-cable or early cable. They would get 60 million viewers a week. Yeah. It was the second biggest sitcom in the US. And, um, 60 million. 60 million. And so he was a big fucking deal already before this movie. It's so weird because in that show, he was like a conservative, not a nerd, but kind of. He was more on the nerd of the spectrum. Yeah. So but he was a Mr. He, but he was charismatic he was and charismatic. charming and he, stuff. Yeah. But he was sort of like uh, not as. He the wasn't the rebellious. He wasn't, he wasn't the Will Smith. He was the Carlton almost, right? Like he wasn't quite. He wasn't as extreme uh, as that. He wasn't a yeah. nerd, but he, he was, was. He was still. He was still the cool, like 
he was still the guy of the show. He, he was the quite, Will Smith of the show. But he wasn't quite. He wasn't quite Marty McFly though, right? So he, it no. is kind of interesting. And Team Wolf that he gets that too. But you know me, I'm going to play the theme song to Family Ties just because it gives me really nice tingles in all yeah, the right hit spaces. It, hit it. Is this one of the ones you listen to on the way to work to make mm. you feel better? Mm-hmm. I bet we've been together for a million years. And I bet we'll be together for a million more. Oh, it's like I started breathing on the night we kissed. And I can't remember what I ever did before. What would we do, baby? Remember Mallory? Yeah, she was such a crush on Mallory. Did you? She was a bit more of the rebelly type, right? Justine Bateman, Mm. Jason Bateman's sister. No way, Jose. Teen Wolf 2. What? Connections. How crazy is that? Yeah. It's interesting. Um, so the irony of all this. Sha-la-la-la. Sha-la-la-la. The irony of all this is because of that very show, he couldn't be cast in this movie. Uh-huh. And they casted one Eric Stoltz. Um, and it didn't work out so well. I think I feel like this is pretty common knowledge now. We'll cover it briefly. But Eric Stoltz was cast as Marty McFly in Back to the Future. And what I didn't realize was it was six weeks of shooting. It they was did. a lot. It, it was, was a lot. Millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. They had to get an extra $3 million budget to start again. So all the shit you see, like especially in the beginning of the movie with Doc, that was all filmed and they started again. And um, poor, they, poor guy, man. Like, why didn't they just get in the DeLorean and <laughs> take- start again? Yeah, it's pretty fucking crazy because poor Eric Stoltz, good actor, and I think he hasn't had a bad run. So he's done good stuff, um, so he's fine. But What's you can imagine at the time, he was in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I know he's in Pulp Fiction. He's um, that where he plays Rocky, the guy with the face. Yeah, would you? Yeah. Uh, he married Helen Hunt. I think that's pretty legit. I don't like her. Really? We've had this discussion. You don't like her? I'm not a big fan of Helen Hunt. I think she's pretty good. I think she might be evil. No, I think she's lovely. I get evil vibes from her. Really? Well, he did divorce her, I think. Yeah. Uh, but I like him a lot. He's in lots of stuff. So He's cool. Been, he's actually he, in his, his Pulp Fiction performance. We covered it a few weeks ago. He was one of my top notch. stars. Yeah, yeah. He's great. In a star and, But cast. being a young kid, like early 20s, man, it's one thing to get fired from a movie and then it's another thing for it to be this fucking big. Like it's such an iconic movie. It's crazy. And it could have been, imagine if it could have been you. I, that would fuck with me, and I think full credit to him that he kicked on and became a still became a legit actor. Yeah, household name. Yeah, because he easily could have become the Pulp Fiction guy and just been a fucking dealer that gets around in a robe. Exactly, and it's interesting because everyone talks about him with much respect, but it all feels very um, carefully PR trained. The way like Zemeckis and them talk about it, but there's a good clip here of um, Christopher Lloyd talking about it just on a some radio show. And it just feels very human and it puts you kind of in the shoes of what that actually would have been like. Played the original Marty. That's they, right. And they released all that footage, I guess, in a Blu-ray and everything. Uh, did you know that that was going to have to change? I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea. I was, I, I think, 
most people didn't. You know, I mean, it was six weeks into shooting. Right. Six weeks shooting. Strange thing to do. Uh, yeah. And yeah. we were doing, we were out uh, in that industrial, uh, the city of industry, a huge mall, night after night for about three weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, shooting and everything seemed cool. He was very good. He was very good. It's just that they were looking for, they needed to have a comic, somebody with a more comic flair, you know, like Michael. Yeah. And, um, so they made the, made the switch, but he wasn't like, um, giving a lousy performance. You know, just, was, there was just yeah. whatever that was, wasn't clicking with the character. Yeah. And, and he's a very good actor, a really good actor. And, and then, uh, one, one night, uh, when we broke for, for, lunch so to speak at one o'clock in the morning uh-huh. you know we all had lunch and then i said everybody please come over to this area over here uh we have an announcement to make and still don't and then spielberg was there and other other suits from universal etc and they got up and just made the announcement they're going to make the change and it was kind of like a wake it was yeah, it wasn't anything to be cheery about because you've all spent this time getting to know this kid yeah and and uh it was just, it was it was sad you know yeah. and uh and i was kind of like terrified because i thought I'd, i i i was still getting into the character it was the first the first uh film mm-hmm. of the trilogy and i f- was hoping i was hitting my marks you know so i thought my god I'm yeah. gonna do this all over again. Sure. I don't know if I could do this again. You know? <laughs> but uh, it worked out. It's pretty crazy because he's basically shot for his role. He's probably shot half of his shit already. It's like, oh, I gotta start again. Like, well, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, yeah, isn't that? Yeah, that's what I didn't think about that either. With especially with the six weeks, I thought like, he started and it was probably like I don't know a few days of shooting. They're like, yeah, not feeling yeah, six it. Six weeks. Six weeks. Like how how long was it? Oh, I should look that up. But typically, a movie shoot is. A couple, a few months, like a big movie. I have no idea. I think it's a, it's only a couple of months. So six weeks is potentially half of it. Like that's a big fucking deal. And so you're you're in there, you're nailing it. You're Christopher Lloyd, and you're going all dark. Marty, 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 and um, especially him because they Great talk about Scott. They talk about him not doing any of that shit in rehearsals, but then when they roll the camera, he goes crazy and does all the great stuff we love. So he's probably put everything into it, and they're like, actually, we're not using any of that. It strikes me as a taxing yeah. role. Yeah. Gigawatts. Yeah, yeah. Gigawatts, which is a nice nuance because apparently physicists would say gigawatts, not gigawatts. Yeah. Even though we all say gig, it's a bit like the gif jif thing maybe. Perhaps. All right, so obviously Stoltzy wasn't working out, but also they couldn't get Marty. So how the fuck are they going to sort this shit out? So turns out uh, Spielberg is good mates with the creator of Family Ties and says to him. The creator of Time Travel. Uh, family ties. Oh, they said family's time. <laughs> I mean, I I can't confirm that he didn't invent time travel. But well, I, if he did, he would have gone back and not done 1941. <laughs> potentially. Burn. <laughs> Take that, guy that's never going to listen. <laughs> All right, so he's good mates with uh, Gary David Goldberg, the, ah. the, the, the creator, producer of Family Ties, and says, we need him. We need him. How do we do this? And he's like... Just run that little bastard into the ground. <laughs> kind of. Like, he can do this as long as it doesn't fuck with his family tie schedule, fine. And so he, so they shot this movie around his family tie schedule. Around it. So, yeah, so he's working day and night. 
they had to shoot whatever they could do without him during the day, so exteriors and that kind of shit when he's not in it. And then they had him at night from fucking 6.30 p.m. to 2.30 a.m. And he talks about it here. He takes it like a fucking champ. Yeah, and I guess as you would. a fucking champ. Because it's like you're still in the your ascension of fame. Yeah, you're kind of hungry. Yeah, so it's like, they're like, oh, how was it? It's like, yeah, of course I fucking did it. Yeah. You had one hell of a workload when you were making this film, didn't you? Because you were making TV series at the same time. Right. Yeah. How it do was, you cope with that? Uh, well, it was, it was tough doing, doing both at the same time. But on the, on the other hand, um, I kind of, when you take a challenge, when you take on something, you say you're going to do it, you, you have to do it. Yeah. And, and, and in the course of doing it, sitting back and saying, oh, geez, boy, this, I'm, I'm tired, I'm bushed, it's not going to do you a whole lot of good. Um, Second of all, when, when, you, when you have a job that you love, you know, um, you show up for work and you're excited about doing it and, and getting on with the business of doing it. And with me, that just happened twice a day. You know, it happened in, in the morning and then it happened at night. Did you sleep? Uh, a little bit. I slept uh, about four or five hours a night. Um, and I'd have drivers come pick me up in the morning and bring me in at night. Sometimes they'd carry me in and dump me on my bed at night. Um, so there were a lot of people who made life easy for me and, and went out of their way to be, uh, to be understanding during that time. Legend. But some blessing with the whole Stoltz gate was that actually them going for Eric Stoltz is actually what led them to Leah Thompson as well. So when they were approaching Eric Stoltz, he was uh, uh, filming a, a movie with Leah Thompson yeah. playing his girlfriend and that's how they kind of came across that and she's great in this fucking movie. So She's perfect. So that was a good byproduct, I guess, out of a shitty situation. Um, obviously, Crispin Glover gets involved too. Um, Doc, you know who the first choice was for Doc? One of your, one of your guys. You hmm. did an impression of him last week. Uh, John Lithgow. Ma- Marty. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of. John Lithgow. Not bad. Um, that would have been kind of cool. He, he uh, what did he say? No? And actually... I'm doing cliffhanger in seven years. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get into character. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to the mountains. <laughs> Christopher Lloyd was not that interested at first, as it turns out. What was he doing? It down. He was uh, shooting something in Mexico and then was like, I want to go heroin? back to theatre because I'm a real actor. Is it heroin? Uh, maybe. But he wanted to do theater, wanted to go back to New York. and uh, But I eventually got him. We'll get into a bit more of that later. But um, then the movie got made and it was a huge success. How about that? Big movie. The end. The Thanks end. for listening, Big guys. Movie. Should what we play the trailer? Think? Let's play the trailer. Oh, I thought we were wrapping up. <laughs> we're just getting started, baby. This October, the greatest time traveling adventure is back. On the big screen. You built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Hey, fly! Hello! Great Scott! Marty McFly and Doc Brown return. For a whole new generation. Anything you do could have serious repercussions on future events. Isn't he a dreamboat? Are you trying to tell me that my mother has got the hots for me? <laughs> In glorious cinematic digital quality for the first time ever. My name is Darth Vader. This is a big one, the one I've been waiting for all my life. 
It's about time. You saw. Back to the future. Back to the future. What a delightful film. What did you think, Greg? Um, yeah. Nah, I loved it. It was, <laughs> it was a real, it was a real treat. It was a treat. I, uh, man, my first couple of points. Perfect movie, perfect plot, perfect casting. So much perfection in this. Yeah, we so touched tight. this earlier. It's, it's so tight. tight. It's just so tight. It's every, believable. Every seed <laughs> is planted. It's a fucking film about time travel. Get, everything believable. is just neat and perfect. It's just a beautiful exercise in precision and paying off every minor point. Like they plant every seed in that first act, where it's like the clock and this, and it was that year that it got struck by lightning, and but without it feeling like heavy exposition. Save the clock tower. And, yeah, so it all just gets planted in Two there. Pine tree hill. And the way Doc talks in lesser capable hands, that would have been like really boring exposition. But everything he talks about with time travel is it's so full of energy and amazing. You don't even feel like you're being explained to. Like, you know, when you watch Inception and they spend an hour mansplaining, ex- basically explaining. Is that what that is? Uh, well, they're all men, basically. Yeah, so I'm they're still trying to work out what mansplain means, but I figured it was that. It's kind of that. It's kind of just um, men, men explaining, explaining things to women. Uh, to women, right. So it would be like, you know, a man explaining Periods. a period. Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Good. That's, that's the epitome of it. But but movies like Inception spend two acts explaining how it all works for a payoff in the third act, whereas this movie just plants it all. You don't even know you're being... Wait, there was a payoff? <laughs> yeah. It's a stretch, right? You're with payoff. me now, Greg. The payoff was the credits. <laughs> where, where was I? Oh, yeah. that You can argue that pays off in the third act or in the credits, however you like it. But this just is taking you along for the ride, meanwhile planting all these seeds in your head unbeknownst to you, perhaps. And it all just fits together so neatly like a beautiful little fucking puzzle. It's great. Christopher Lloyd is fucking amazing. Crispin Glover is a fucking enigma. Um He's oh. outstanding, you know. We'll get, he's we'll, we'll he's get awesome. That. Yeah, he's fucking weird and great, man. Weird and great. Weird and great. Um, There's one in the rewatch. Like, even when I was a kid, I think I always found him weird. Yeah. Not great, and just he's making, weird. He's making choices, man. And then in this time, I'm like, oh, he's fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, he's so awkward. He's so weird. There's no way he can – he's got to be awkward in real life. Yeah, oh, he is. Oh, I've got some of Because you couldn't – I don't think – yeah, he's too perfect. Oh, don't it. worry. That's coming. He's heaps weird, but great. Like okay. I think that's he's almost like a uh, Andy Kaufman type or something. Yeah, he's on a spectrum. He's of on sorts. he's on a different plane. Yeah. Um. But like we were saying before, I forget sometimes how or I forget that there's swearing in this. I forget that he gets like Doc gets shot by terrorists in a combi van and like you forget that his dad is a peeping Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the other one. I forget that his dad's a peeping Tom. He's out the front of her window. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't done that for years. <laughs> I mean, it's so hard to find a good tree. Binoculars aren't what they used to be. Yeah, exactly. And everyone's on the lookout now. You know, yeah. it's, it's uh, too frowned upon these days. Mm-hmm. But And Biff is basically, Biff and his friends, basically fucking rapists and fucking racists. Like, it's pretty hardcore, yeah, that, man. That, uh, that would definitely be the hardest hitting rewatch yeah. part. Yeah, we'll get into a bit of that later, I reckon. Um, not a deal breaker, but it's just the way it's treated is a bit like lighthearted for what is essentially rape. attempted rape. rape. Um, not to not to kill the mood just yet. We'll get not into yet. that. It'll have its moment. Tasteful special effects, I thought, for the most part. I think aside from some of the makeup, like it's generally pretty good and pretty fucking creative and cool. Most yeah, of it. It's not a 
Yeah. Like Ara was watching this and I think you had a similar thing where our wives realized they may have been watching this for the first time as they're watching it. That's exactly what happened. And she was, Ara was like, oh, this looks like it was made recently though. Like, it doesn't look like it's that old. It's an, it's an interesting observation. Yeah, it holds up. I think especially the flashback stuff, the, the, 60, the 50s stuff because it's most often period movies don't age That's as right. Much. That's yeah. what we say. That's what we've learned. I've uh, definitely yeah. learned I that. That's, I think since, that's the thing. Yeah. Since... Uh, I wonder if there's a mental trick there too where because it's 50s, then we also forgive the 80s-ness. I wonder if there's like a thing. I think the 80s is is a time capsule as well now. Yeah, okay. Because it's very 80s. It's it's long enough, yeah. It's Yeah, it's long enough and it's it's such a good representation of the 80s, I think. Yeah, yeah. Probably equally, it's funny, right, in hindsight watching that movie, you watch it going, boom, they're doing the 50s, boom, they're doing the 80s. But yeah. it was the 80s. Yeah, okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. When If you're watching it right now for the first time, it just looks like their treatment of two eras, bygone eras. You realize he traveled back 30 years in the past. If we traveled back 30 years in the past, it would have been 89. Uh, not even not even the- That's an actual mindfuck. Did you just think of that then? No, I had it somewhere in there. But it's- uh, That's a complete mindfuck. I realized fuck. it ticked over recently. He traveled less distance than we would going back to the movie. But it seems like going back to the 80s wouldn't be that much of a stretch. I feel like I'd fit right in. You wouldn't have yeah, phones and shit. I mean, yeah, you feel like you'd be easier to fit in than going from the 80s to the 50s. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what else I like about all this? Marty's a cool guy. Marty's so cool. Because most movies now, it's usually some uh, like a, a nerd like Peter Parker or like, you know, someone that's just not quite the guy. It's always the... There's always the cool guy that's almost the the bully or the like Marty McFly is fucking cool. Yeah. It's not often you see that actually. It but that's what it was though. No, I know. Yeah, that's But weird. I think that's what I didn't realise. Because there's, there's also Ferris Bill's Day Off, which he's also the cool guy. Do you know what cha- do you know what like the the twenty one jump street, the remake, was like a nice like signal of do you remember how they were Oh, like, how the cool guy changed. How the cool guy's not... Yeah. The cool guy's just changed. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, young people watch Spider-Man or... that's And that is their cool guy. True. But I just mean even within the the context of the film, they're an outsider in terms of not being usually the cool guy. Marty's an outsider in terms of not being in from that era. Yeah. Um, so he kind of gets away with being the cool guy and an outsider. He's perfect. Yeah, it's great. He's so he's so. What's what's the word I'm looking for? Usually, the easy way to be outsider is to write them as like they're a bit of a nerd and they don't quite get yeah. it or whatever. And there's a bully oh, but he's cool and out. Yeah, but he's okay. cool and out. It's pretty cool. They don't do that very often. He's cool. Oh, he's very cool. Yeah, and that was nice to see that that still stacked up. Yeah, I, I think, still watched I think that's it. Going. Why I liked it so much because I think it's almost like a bit of a too much of a trend now. Because even like but it didn't date. Like the but even his coolness didn't date. Like him, yeah. Pull, like tailing on the cars. Yeah, like he's, he's skateboarding and he's doing all this cool shit. He still punches. Yeah, he's doing all this great. Yeah, yeah. he without hesitation. He punches like he's he's arcing up. He goes hard up, and he's a little like dude. straight away. Whereas like that would be the character arc of the story in another movie. Oh, he finally punched it, which is kind of George. George. So it's almost like if this was made today, maybe George would be the. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's Working it's, up to that punch. Whereas yeah. he's like, I'll just punch you because you're. Because you're an asshole yeah. and I'm a cool guy. I'm a cool guy. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. I, I, and maybe that's why it's so refreshing is because you don't see that very often. These, like what's a recent cool guy like Star-Lord? It's kind of cool. But he's still like 
he thinks he's Troubled. cool, but he's not that cool. Yeah. Whereas My Name of Fly is just a free spirit ass kicker, like great. Yeah. It's amazing. Bring, bring back that. He invented skateboards and rock and roll, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck Berry. Yeah, that's pretty fucking cool. I would have played a little game, Greg. Out of um, out of Michael J. Fox, Crispin Glover, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, and Biff. That's the only one I didn't put the actor's name for. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think that was the youngest? Crispin Glover. Yeah, he was 21. Michael J. Fox was 24. Christopher Lloyd was um, 25. No, Christopher Lloyd was 40. <laughs> he was 46. 40. He wasn't, actually wasn't that old. Yeah. 46. Um, How Leah, old was Biff? Uh, 26. Yeah, okay. and Lee Thompson was twenty four. That's interesting. Little 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 Crispin there. You know, Crispin actually had a um, a small role on Family Ties as well. Did he? Yeah, he was one of um, Alex P. Keaton's friends. He would only pop up now and then. He blew my mind when he popped up in Hot Tub Time Machine. Yeah, and it's also I think that's a nod to the time travel thing. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I think I think that was the <laughs> I didn't idea. Get it. <laughs> But he always does weird shit. Oh, I've got a whole chapter on him coming. But, but he looks the same age in that movie. Yeah. And that makes well, sense if he was so young. He looks the same age now, man. Does he? He's done very he's well. Doing? He, I, Whatever he's doing, give me some of that shit. He's doing great. He's in American Gods as well. I think he's the... Um, oh, I got a FaceTime coming in. Hi, Hi Bruce. Hey, Bruce. Hi. <laughs> Daddy's got to do his recording now. Okay. <laughs> Gonna say something to the double impact? Double impact! Yeah! I like that dance! <laughs> it's pretty good. There you go, Bob. <laughs> That's the power of love. That's the power of love. So, this is a pretty stellar cast, would you say? It's a very well cast film. This is perfect. And Michael J. Fox. He's a dreamboat. No he wonder his mum wanted to bang him. So he, <laughs> you know, he's a Canadian. He sure is. And his parents are heaps of normal people. When he first won his Emmy, they put it on the table next to his brother's boxing trophy, next to his sister's whatever. Like, it's just like, remember where you came from kind of thing. Like, always keeping him humble. Yeah, and that, that shines through, right? He always feels like that guy. There's a great clip here of him on Johnny Carson where he's obviously just come into a lot of money. Like he, He's been big for a while, but this is another level with this yeah, movie, right? Yeah. So he's out here promoting this movie. This is Johnny Carson. It's, it's, it's pretty charming. You're having a, you're having a real good year. Um, most actors, when they've had those lean periods and they get a, something where they've got some bread coming in, go out and say, okay, now I'm going to buy something I've wanted. Right. You know, just out of luxury. Did well, you do when, that? When I... When I you know, when things weren't going that well, I used to always hate when some young guy about my age would drive by in this, you know, those sports cars, really fancy sports cars with the big tires and everything. I used to hate those jerks. <laughs> so I went out and bought one. Yeah. It's great. To get even with I got, yeah. It's kind of nice to tour down the street. It's in that. great. It goes 90 backwards. Yeah. <laughs> and you well, bought a house, somebody said? Yeah, I just got a, I just. Um, I got a house in, in, the, in the hills It kind of reminds me of Canada Because there's like dirt all around it and stuff right. and Trees that have been there for a while And um, I, In fact, I, there's a guy who Who's um, kind of the equivalent of, I guh- guess, bombastic Bushkin Don't This guy who works for me named Howard Howard the Wiz Wiznicki 
And your business manager? Yeah, and he, he said to me, I was looking for houses. He said, okay, now what you want to do, when you go and you see these houses with the broker, you'd be real cool. You'd be real cool. You hate everything. You don't like the house. You wouldn't live in it if they paid you, you know, and that way he can negotiate. So I looked at all these houses, and I walked into this one, and uh, I looked, and I looked around, and I threw my keys in the ground, dropped them, and he said, my house, <laughs> my house. And, uh, Blue the cool, and you so, want Well, it. yeah, he just turned to the broker and said, he does this at every house. <laughs> you, know, you, don't want to get, you don't want to get too cool. No. Show, but, that's no fun. But that's we no got fun. it, and I was bouncing around. <laughs> and then My I, gosh, I, I finally it. got it and moved in, and I put a lawn chair in the middle of the empty living room with a baseball bat and just yeah. said, mine. Mine. This is mine. <laughs> so I'm having a lot of fun with it. Yeah. You, you have a current lady friend? It's none of my business, but, you know. It's, it's How about you? <laughs> Ah, uh, the old question back. What a hot potato! You pass it right back there. Yes, it's got good banter. Good, good banter. Potato, hot potatoes are actually really hot. It's a very apt. I mean, it's still hot in the way. Hot potato in foil. Do you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, here, here he talks about what the more serious side of of fame of, um, and potatoes and potatoes. Everybody's got problems, you know. Everybody has sacrifices. Everybody. Um, I has to kind of make make deals in a way, you know, compromises. And, you know, I do a job that I love to do. I work with people that I love to, to work with. I'm uh, rewarded uh, uh, financially, certainly totally out of proportion with reality and, um, and, and rewarded emotionally in the same way. I mean, so, you know, so I can't go to Ralph's and get juice, you know? I mean, that's life, you know? Yeah. You have a way of making your fans feel that they're important to you know there's no like giant you know ponytail menace you know that's gonna swoop down and um and destroy you i mean these are people that just want to say hi yeah i come into their house every thursday night um they go and see movies they buy these magazines and if they made that investment both time emotion and money um i mean just what does it hurt what does it hurt to just pay it back a little bit? What a cool guy. He's so normal. He's so normal. I reckon it's because of his normal parents, like just a normal family. And He's so normal. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, what a cool guy. Yeah. Very cool guy. On the flip side, because thinking about it, Crispin Glover was 21 years old. Michael J. Fox is 24 years old. Like you said, great performance from Crispin Glover and potentially a star-turning performance, but they kind of went on different paths, right? But he was great. He's really weird. Yeah, he's quite so, a good-looking guy. This is so. As I've been diving into this, he hasn't aged. He actually hasn't aged. He's in um, this isn't that recent, I guess, but he's in Charlie's Angels as the, oh, he's the skinny the bad man, guy. the bad yeah, guy. I didn't like him in that. He creeped me out. Yeah, but he still looked very put Creepy. together and like chiseled. Creepy, basically. Yeah, Creepy. Uh, he's in what's eating Gilbert Grape. He's a is he? Yeah, he's uh, in Hot Dog Time Machine. As we said, he's in Alice in Wonderland, the 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 Burton version. Yeah, he seems like a good Burton guy. Yeah, yeah, but he's only in that one. I'm pretty sure he um, uh, he's released quite a few albums. He's um, written between fifteen and twenty books. What? Yeah. On what? Um, all kinds of shit, I think. I don't know. I don't know why it's between 15 and 20. Surely there should be a definitive number somewhere. Um, he's directed three films that all seem kind of wacky and weird. Has he written his own wiki page? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Gotten there with the old individual. More like wacky, Wackypedia, am I right? 
He's a weird guy. Yes. Um, he nearly right. got banned from Letterman. So have you heard about this one? No. This is this this is famously one of one of the most infamous um, appearances on David Letterman. If you ever look up like craziest guests on Letterman, this is usually number one or top three. I've been on talk shows on the Johnny Carson show, yep. and now I'm here, and I've been all across the United States, and I feel really good about it. So. <laughs> do, you, do you enjoy the experience? Yes, I feel very good about them. Uh-huh. I, I, I knew that this was going to happen, and I... Uh, I, can I tell you, because the, the press, they can do things, they can twist things around, and because you're talking, I don't, look, I... Paul, anything been, you'd like to add here? I'm strong, you know, I'm strong, I can arm wrestle. I, do you want to arm wrestle? No. I've been taking, no. you know, I've been taking, these aren't mine, I can, I can, I can kick. Okay. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go check on the top ten. Did you enjoy that, Paul? It was uh, an interesting segment. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the first time that we've been doing the show that a guest actually tried to kick me. Well, I think it was a conceptual piece. Uh, uh, well, he came very close to denting my head with those, yes. giant, with those giant shoes, so I thought, I don't need that. I'm, I'm 40, I went to college, I've had a number of... I don't need this. That is not how I want my life ended. Some goofball, some dork from uh, wherever. Uh, so the weird thing going on there. <laughs> that was taxing. It was taxing. And so, uh, wait. <laughs> so there, we'll get those clips up on the net. There's a movie. Yeah, we'll put it. We'll put the it on the, on the Instagrams. Um, but he did a movie called Reuben and Ed that was shot around the same time as uh, Back to the Future, maybe even before. Didn't get released until 91. His appearance on Letterman there was like 87, but he was doing a Borat. He was in character f- from that movie, but no one knew what the fuck he was doing because the movie didn't come out for another four years. Oh, right. <laughs> so he had this whole fucking thing going on. So he, had, he was like, he was Andy Kaufmaning. He was, yeah. he was Sasha Baron Cohening. Um, but and so he had subsequent appearances on um, Letterman, and so they they address it. So this is '92. Our next guest has made uh, some memorable appearances on the, this program. <laughs> he is an actor and an author, and his new film is called Reuben and Ed. It opens in Los Angeles on Friday. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Crispin Glover. Crispin. Now, now, should we, should we take a second here to go back uh, to the night that you came on and, and you were very strange that night? Although you, you've been on since then, That's haven't right, you? Yeah. yeah. Tell, tell people what was happening that particular night. About five years ago or so? <laughs> well, uh, well, let's see. Uh, what, what did happen? Uh, we, we, uh, I guess I was introduced. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, came, I came out over there and I uh-huh. had these very tall shoes on. Yeah, huge it. platform shoes. That's right, yeah. But you, yeah. you also, your appearance was greatly altered. 
I felt. Yeah, yeah, I had, I had, I had a, a long hair. Well, and was a, it a wig or your actual hair? Uh, well, it, it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I, I, well, yeah, it was. It was this. Uh, let me let me remind you, you're under oath. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, actually, it's funny. It ties into this movie I have uh, I have coming out. The, this film, Ruben and Ed. You know, when I, I looked at a clip of the movie this afternoon, I said to myself, "That's what he looked like the night he came out here and went nuts." That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was odd because you looked completely different, yes. and you were. Being behaving a little different <laughs> and, and, befo and before I knew it you were you were saying I'm I'm strong and, and you invited me to, to feel various parts of your body to, 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 to check your strength and then the next thing I know you kind of step back and uh, like like a punter in football you drop back you took the snap and you, you kicked it right at my head well what a crazy thing to do we <laughs> uh, guy we guy and this did translate to the set of Back to the Future, so he, he was a, he was a tricky, <laughs> tricky character to work with. Really? So Zemeckis said this: one of the biggest challenges was throwing the net over Crispin Glover. He was completely off about fifty percent of the time in his interpretation of the character. There's a scene in the cafeteria where he's writing in his journal. If you look closely, his face is all puffy. His eyes are all bloodshot because Crispin insisted his hair should be sticking straight up while he was writing. When I explained to him that it wouldn't match with, <laughs> with, with what we shot the previous day, he said, Brando never matched. So he was just heaps weird, heaps weird guy. Like all those quirks of the character, they were all him. And Brando I guess, never matched. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad... The result was good, so whatever he did, I'm kind of happy about it. Who cares if the other half was shit? He got the good half, and it was kind of great, right? Oh um, well, yeah, you just—he just had a really weird dad. Yeah, yeah, he was just heaps fucking weird, and um, like all those weird character quirks—that was all him. All his weird mannerisms and the way he would talk, and that was—that was, that was mm. all him. But not—not not to get into the sequels, but he didn't come back for number two because no. he had—he had an issue with the conclusion to this film. Uh, basically suggesting that, which I think is a fair point, that when he goes back to the future, part of the happy ending is too closely tied to like wealth. monetary wealth. The reason that I didn't end up being in the film, it's it's more complex than this, but I I was asking questions the, there, the, that the, produ the producer's director didn't like. You know, I was a serious actor as well. So when I started actually analyzing the screenplay, once we were involved in the project, I had questions about things that I said. I said to Robert Zemeckis, I thought it was it was not a good idea for our characters to have a monetary uh, reward because it basically makes the moral of the film be that money equals happiness. And, uh, you know, by having the, uh, there, there were various things that were doing it, but by having a su the son character cheer, by having a, a truck in, in the garage, I, what I was arguing for was that it that the characters should be in love and that the, the love should be the reward. And Zemeckis got really mad at me when I, I said this. And But didn't you see at the end the characters, they were more in love, I, I think, especially it, yeah, that, your that, character that, and the wife, they did right. seem to be... But, the, but my argument is that part was good. I was right. all for it. But I think it pollutes it. Do you think uh, the money could have been a peripheral effect of the happiness that they had, that they... I think changed? it's a bad message. Really? I, th I do. I think it's a, I think okay. because that's propaganda that, that says to people go out and, and borrow money for ba banks. This is, this is a big part of why the film 
was successful because bank, the, the corporations knew that it had that moral element in it. It's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. I, I, I could see both sides, and they make a good point. Like, but they are, there is love, and maybe money's a byproduct of that, and that's cool. But this whole film, I love this movie. So I don't, I've probably made that pretty clear. I will say that it's peak consumerism. It is. Like this, this film is riddled with product placement. Oh, that's a good point. What is the car? It's a Toyota Hilux. His his black car. And is that a is that a product placement thing? You reckon? I it all. I assume. I so. guess it is. Yeah, because I think the part where I, to be fair, I before the rewatch, I had heard that story before, and so I maybe may have been looking for it. But I did find it weird. In the end, he opens the garage and that car's there, and he's like, "Yeah." It just felt like a weird yeah, end, whereas yeah, yeah. it would have felt like a better character arc to get to the end and not even care about the car. True. You know what I mean? Like that yeah, would have been true. like, yeah, what's really important? That sounds cheesy, but yeah, yeah. But when you bring up product placement, that kind of makes perfect sense. If it's like a yeah, and Toyota, don't worry, you're going to be the whole fucking payoff of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> and it is the general vibe of a lot of it. Like the, it's all through the movie. Well, obviously Pepsi is everywhere. Yeah, yeah. obviously Nike. He's rocking Nikes the whole time. Yeah, iconic. What was actually pretty cool, I thought, was because of the premise of the movie is that, you know, the different time periods or different generations, Yeah, the, the product placement lent license to how you differentiate the periods, uh, which was actually pretty cool. That's fair, that's fair. So most notably, like it's still subtle, I thought. I think it's... Compared to what we witnessed today and have in the last you know, even 20 years since this, well, yeah. beyond since this movie came out, yeah, it's pretty good. I think product placement is not necessarily bad. No, yeah. And then I think if it's done- It's fine. done, yeah, yeah. it's integration, like, right? Like if you're going to need- TV show. They're going to drive some kind of car, Maybe why not? Your and car. If, if that offsets the cost of the movie, all good, yeah. like good but for them. They did it well. Like yeah. if you think about how- It wasn't intrusive. It didn't feel like it was compromising the integrity Klein. of the- yeah, good um, point. Now, whether or not that was because you actually don't see the product, so I don't know if it was a product thing. Or yeah, just but that's a, a good point. Well, the fact that you don't know is a good sign because it probably was, but mm. it doesn't. So, reminder to the audience: Calvin Klein is what his mum thinks his name is because it's written on his undies. It's written on his undies. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. The um, I mean, one of the biggest ones of the mall. Should we get into that one, the DeLorean? Because this is like a yeah. weird mix of both. I mean, this movie made it massive, but this car was a massive failure. Yeah. It's so weird. So like I said, first it was a fridge, basically. The time machine was going to be a fridge or something like a fridge. They landed on DeLorean. They were like, it, play, it pays off the spaceship gag when he, when he first goes back. Yeah. Um, but the props department had a fucking great time doing it. They just found all this junk and shoved it in there, glued it on, and like, like a fucking ball. They built three of them. They had the A car, the B car, the C car. And so the A car was the one you see in the exterior shots yeah. of it all, like the, the the dry ice smoke coming out of it and whatnot. <sighs> then there's the drivable one, and then there's the sort of interior one. So various things would have different ones. But it's such a weird fucking thing because for us, surely I'm I'm assuming you're the same. Like the the, the I didn't know that the DeLorean was a car. No, until not when probably I was a kid. maybe 15 years ago or something. Yeah. But for the longest time, I didn't know that that was a car. Turns out it's very fucking weird. It's fucking insane. The story of the DeLorean is nuts. Go on. It's a tale of sex, 
drugs, and betrayal. There's no sex in there. <laughs> I needed three things. Is there drugs? <laughs> there's drugs in Go a on. big way. This is crazy, man. This is crazy. Okay, so there's this guy, John DeLorean. That sounds made up as I say it. <laughs> so John DeLorean. Go. And he was this wonder kid in the motor industry, the motor car industry, the automobile industry. He was the driving force behind the Pontiac GTO, Pontiac Firebird, Chevrolet, Cosworth, Vega. He was the youngest division head in General Motors history. He was like wonder boy of cars. How, how old was he at this point? I don't know how old he was. I'm picturing, Marty, I'm picturing Marty McFly. <laughs> no, no. Think, picture more like a young Alec Baldwin or, or Don Draper maybe, like that kind uh, of. I stick, no, Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. Like that, um, that Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. You close it, coffee's for closers. At the height of this, he leaves, in his youth still, he leaves to start his own company, the DeLorean Motor Company, John DeLorean, the DeLorean Motor Company, DMC. DMC on the front. Ah. Yeah, I always wonder what that was. Um, this was 1973. They release a prototype of the what became known as the DeLorean. 73. Yeah. 73. Bruce Lee's death. Ah, interesting. Was That's this the phoenix that would rise? Yeah. Um, as it turns out, no. Uh, so he made a prototype uh, a couple of years later, I think it was 75, 76, for what we would be calling the DeLorean because he only had one car. It just became the DeLorean. It didn't actually get released until 81, but it was much hyped. And here's a little clip from the launch of it in the UK, which is... Interesting for context, which I will get into shortly. Well, here it is, unquestionably the most talked about car here at Motor Fair, the car in which all of us as British taxpayers own a slice to the tune of £77 million, the DeLorean. And with me here, Mr John DeLorean. Mr DeLorean, they tell me that you're the best salesman in the world. If I came to you, how would you sell me one of your cars? Well, I think, number one, uh, the allegation that I'm a great salesman is a gross exaggeration. I'm, uh, essentially, I'm an engineer, and I like a, a product, I like technical things. Very proud of our car, which essentially, I think, is a, is a major engineering contribution to the state-of-the-art of automobiles. I think if I were trying to sell it to you, I'd sell it to you on the basis that it's a very comfortable, uh, outstanding uh, performance, outstanding handling, a car that has, because of its stainless steel skin and the fact that we use all non-corrosive materials in the chassis, a car that will last for many, many years. And as a result, we'll preserve your investment so that in the end, we hope that your cost of owning this car for a long time will be very, very small. So that's a good point he raises there. So the exterior of the car was stainless steel. And he talks about not paint matching there because they're all the same color. They're all stainless steel, except for one limited edition, which was gold plated. Ah, and a gold-plated car. They made a hundred of them, and they marketed it as like your chance. We're only making a hundred, and it's going to be seventy-five grand, which in those days, I guess, equates to like two hundred grand, maybe. Um, they sold ten of them, <laughs> and 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 this is kind of uh, the trend you're going to see here. Um, the reviews were very shitty of this car. I think the engine was underpowered too. The car was really heavy because it was stainless steel. It reeks uh, very heavily of like the Homer Simpson. Yeah, thing, right. Right. It's got that vibe to it. It's got rack and peanut steering, I think, perhaps. <laughs> um, it's got a little bubble on the, yeah. on the antenna so you the, can oh, find yeah. it in the car park. So basically, no one's buying these things. Uh, they failed. They, they get $175 million in debt. So fast forward to 1982. This is 81. This is one year later. Mr. John DeLorean gets arrested for cocaine trafficking. That guy? Yeah. 
cocaine trafficking, man. What? So there was this sting operation. He agreed to bankroll a smuggling operation on camera. They set him up with 59 pounds of cocaine in a hotel. And off this deal, he stood to make $24 million. Um, Not just off that's 59 pounds. There was more to come or whatever. This all came through his neighbor who was a convicted drug trafficker and was kind of mid-trial on something. He tipped off the, the feds that he had been approached by Mr. DeLorean. However, plot twist was he actually approached Mr. DeLorean. The opposite was true, and it was basically entrapment. He was trying to get DeLorean done so he could get years shaved off his sentence. Yeah. So this weird, this should be a fuck. This is your movie, man. Well, this movie is also great. This is another movie, man. <laughs> what the fuck? This is, what DeLorean. the fuck? <laughs> How good is this? So he gets eventually found not guilty because that it was entra- It was actually entrapment. But, okay, one to kid. I'm picturing like a DiCaprio type almost. I, I know I said Baldwin before. And I just thought it was DiCaprio now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like I'm picturing like a Spielboy joint and it's young DiCaprio being fucking car industry wonder kid, goes and does DeLorean, goes a little bit a little bit crazy, goes in debt, does desperate thing, yeah. gets entrapped for cocaine trafficking. Like that would be fucking cool. That's a movie. I like it. I was um Sold. Sold. Well, I Googled it, turns out it is a movie. But it's only a documentary and it's only just coming out soon. I found a trailer and it's um it? only from a couple of months ago. So oh, it's it's, it's one doc. of those it's a it's a doc with some dramatization and the dramatization docudrama. docudrama. It's Alec Baldwin in the role of of um Eric DeLorean. Mr. John DeLorean. Eric DeLorean sounds better. He's got cocaine, hot chicks, sports cars, bombed out buildings, Margaret Thatcher, Ronald Reagan, FBI agents, and hardcore drug dealers. Allow me to introduce the DeLorean motor car. A number of people have been wanting to do a movie of my life. I'm going to try to be DeLorean. John DeLorean was the leading man Hollywood producers dream of, and he was real. He was one of the maverick rogues of his day. What the hell is this? That's the GTO. You're out of your damn mind. He married the world's top supermodel. My dad was at the peak of everything, and then came the car. This is the DeLorean Motor Company. It's impossible to start up a car company. This is real innovation. And you've got the money for this? Oh, yeah. John didn't have the money. We were heading for insolvency. John DeLorean is in jail this morning. I just found out a few hours ago. I know nothing. Stability and sanity left the household when he got arrested. When John puts all the chips on the table and loses. So that's a doco. That and looks outstanding. It looks fucking cool, right? I mean, but it is a doco. I would love to see an actual full. But it's a doco, but it's got. Yeah, I can't quite kind of tell how that works because it also sounds like it's got Alec Baldwin talking about him too. It's weird. I think it's going to work. I think it's beautiful. I'm on board. Should we talk music real quick? Good music in this movie. Great music. Power 
love. That's such a good song. It's a curious thing. I didn't realize it was written for this movie. It didn't just come out around this movie. Oh, what? Yeah, uh, yeah. That, I didn't realize that either. Yeah. So they because um, it's not like it's called time travel. It's a curious thing. And that's what the producers had a massive issue with that. So whenever the re- they made the radio stations make sure that whenever they played it, that they made that connection to the movie because it's not in the lyrics. And there is another song that's more literally about it, but it's not as it's not as much of a banger. Hit to be square? No, but that's the other thing too, man. What's with music in this period? All sounding like forty-year-old men with massive reverb. Like, you know how like to to cut through to to start a career in music these days, you have to be a twelve-year-old. Like it was like in the eighties. There's older men singing. Yeah, it's like weird. Robert, Robert Plant. Yeah, Phil Collins and, and um, this guy, Sledgehammer, Peter Gabriel. It's, oh, yeah. it's the same voice. It's a really that specific just... older man voice that you. No one's coming off. They were bald. On the scene as an old man. They weren't, they weren't bald. Some of them were. One, one or two were. Yeah, an equal, a proportionate number of them were bald, <laughs> given they were middle-aged men. Yeah, it makes sense. But yeah, but they're middle-aged men. Like it's it's really weird. But also the score was really good. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, the score was Alan, Alan Silvestri. He did Romance in the Stone. He it's, did Roger Rabbit. He's he's a Zemeckis guy. Yeah, he's a Zemeckis guy. Also did Avengers. There you go. Also, oh, also sounds very uh, Spielberg-y. Did yeah. You, so what's the go there? Interesting. Well, he did Mac and Me. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> he did Predator as well. Ah, oh, yeah, I get that now that you say that. Really? <laughs> yeah, of course. Ah. Pride of love is a beautiful thing. When one man dead, another man scream. <laughs> Stab your heart with those lasers. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Well, let's 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 bring this let's bring this movie into current times. Let's talk about 2018-2019, etc. Let's talk about what this movie would be like today. There is obviously a uh an interpretation of this of this construct of a teen and an old man and traveling through space time and yada 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 talking of course of uh rick and morty yeah which i think we all Touched generally understand as a reference to this movie but i didn't realize how literally connected it started Marty, morty yeah so it started as a thing called doc and marty with an h in there somewhere for legal reasons but it was a short film that screened it Dan Harmon's film festival. Dan Harmon's the community guy, yep. also now a co-creator of, of Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. But this is it. I'll put it on socials. I'll play a bit of it here. But my kite's in the tree, Doc. I can't. I hate this stupid tree. I'm so sad. Don't be sad, Marty. We'll go back in time, and we'll make sure that your kite doesn't get stuck in the tree. All right, Doc. That sounds great. I'm gonna go get my boots. Doc, I'm back. I got my boots. I'm excited. Let's go. Let's get out of here. Marty, Marty, we have a problem. The time travel car won't start. Oh no. What can we do? What are we gonna do? My chapped, bloody testicles, Marty. What? You want me to lick them? Yes, Marty. It's the only way to fix our time travel car. You have to lick my balls, Marty. The saliva needs to be warm and fresh, and it must be administered by your tongue, Marty. But I don't understand how that would work, Doc. I, I don't. I don't. I'm confused. I don't. Marty, trust me. I built this car with my own two hands from the ground up. Hurry! Okay, Duck, you convinced me. Here goes nothing. You get the idea. Uh, some of it's visual, but this is more like literally tied to his name's Marty. And 
A doc. A- apparently, he's he's actually that's his version of doing an impression of them, of 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 Marty and Doc. And it's the voices do sound different, and it reminds me of how like Homer was initially supposed yeah. to be an impersonation of Walter Matthau, but it, they become their own things. Mm. So I feel like Rick and Morty has become its own thing now. That you can see that there's some kind of link there, but you don't realize how close it was. But he was like really, um, what was his name? Justin Rowland. He um, he says, I actually, <laughs> actually made this as a way to to poke fun at the idea of getting a cease and desist letter. At the time, I had nothing to lose, and my original intention was to call this Back to the Future, the new official Universal Studios cartoon featuring the new Doc Brown and Marty McFly, <laughs> and then just sit back and wait for a cease and desist. So he was like just being a little shit, try to stir shit. Yeah. And it turned into a fucking great show, like one of the best cartoons of like the 2010s. It's still, up there still is. They're doing yeah, a new season, like which I'm pumped for. I rewatched recently. I just watch it knowing that I'm not getting a lot of it, but I know it's good. <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah, it's fucking good. Speaking of today, if they did do a straight remake, what about recasties? Recasties. So Marty McFly, I couldn't get too adventurous with. Mm. I found it hard, mostly because I don't know too many shows now where there's young a younger. People. I don't know too many young actors. Yeah. So I, all I had was Tom Holland because he's the only young oh, actor. Oh, that actually would be perfect though. But he'd be good. That's so funny you say that because when I was watching one of those – Michael J. Fox interviews today. One of the first YouTube comments was he'd be the perfect Peter Parker. Yeah. So that kind of works. That yeah. is actually Tom Holland's perfect. Yeah. Couldn't I, go past him. Yeah. Um, what do I have? You have one? Kevin Hart. <laughs> That'd be fucking awful. Yep. Hi. <laughs> In the kids' clothes and everything. He is very short. He's so little. That's why that's the main reason. That'd work. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. I had Eddie Murphy as my short list of docs. Oh, that's actually really good. Yeah, I like that. Alien love. <laughs> There's no aliens in this. I did have him. I had Eddie Murphy, Gary Busey. Oh, Gary. Time travel. Just as a bit more, like, yeah, more grumpy. Yeah, would be great. And then Danny DeVito. Oh, like a little duck. Yeah. <laughs> That would, yeah, that would work nicely. I feel like Doc, you could there's so not to take away from Christopher Lloyd's he, perfection. It's his thing. It's his thing. But you I'm could basing do all these versions. Yeah, I'm it. basing all these off him. None of them would be replicating. There'd yeah. all be a different spin on it. Yeah. But his was obviously fucking amazing. Yeah. Uh, Biff, I had Chris Pratt. Yeah, you had Chris Pratt. <laughs> Sorry. I had Sam Rockwell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also had him as George McFly. Oh, George McFly. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think more of a Biff. He's more of a Biff. Wait, who was your Marty again? Tom Holland. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I think he's kind of small. My fact, I know he's small. Who? Tom um, Holland? Uh, the other guy. Sam uh, Rockwell? Yeah. Is he? I met him. I thought I met him once and he was tall. Maybe it wasn't him. I did meet him once and he wasn't tall. Really? But all most celebrities are small, so he probably wasn't that small. Taller than me? I can't remember. If you're listening, Sam Rockwell, are you taller than Greg? Sam Rockwell, I am 182 centimeters, <laughs> which is five foot eleven and a half. <laughs> Fucking not even six foot. Uh, all right, wrap it up. All in all, how do you think it's age? I would say 
The Biff stuff is weird. He's basically a rapist, and we all seem to gloss over that. When you go, when they come back to the future and everything's rosy, Biff's waxing the car. Biff, the guy that tried to rape George McFly's wife, and George McFly's like, yeah, make sure you put a second coat of wax on yeah. that. Stay away from my fucking family, man. That's weird. Yeah. That's I'll, weird. If, yeah, if I was rich, I wouldn't live there. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. Yeah. And I do, I, anyway. I think there is some merit in what Crispin Glover said. I think uh, that some of that stuff is a bit meh. But also, it's just a fun movie, so it's, yes. don't think too much into exactly. it. Exactly. Um, I think special effects hold up pretty well. Some of the makeup's a bit shitty. Performances, obviously, great. Um, special effects have held this. up for a 30 year old movie about time travel. Yeah, fucking 30, 30 nearly 35 years. Nearly 30, 35 year old movie about time That's travel. That's crazy. But um, my MVP, somewhere between Marty and Doc, like they're both, it's such they're a sad film, man. And you can't, Doc really, he tricks sure. you into exposition and all these amazing things. He's just like, oh, blah, 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 blah. he just delivers it with such meh, amazingness. I'm in the same boat there. Yeah. It's a rewatch. Go back and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. This is the most rewatched thing we've ever done, I would say. Ooh. What did you think? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Hit us up on Gmail. Hit us up on Instagram. That's probably the main channel. Yeah, we're, we're grammars. All right. We've got to wrap it up because Greg's going out for dinner. Yeah.